What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I sure hope so. My name's Tracy. Leslie will join us in just a minute. And um, I'm so glad that you have uh, decided to dial in and listen in to today's show. Say Yes to Spirit is all about encouraging you on your spiritual path. And uh, honestly, Leslie and I also do it so that we can encourage each other and ourselves to stay on a spiritual path, to recognize how our lives are enhanced by saying yes to spirit and what it means to say yes to spirit. And when we get off that path, to step back on and begin the journey anew. So I'm so glad that you have found us and that you have joined us. And I'll tell you a little bit, excuse me, a little bit about our format today. Every week we select a theme, and we use that theme in order to begin the conversation and to focus us a little bit. Sometimes the themes are obviously religious or spiritual, and many times they are not. But right now we're in a series talking about uh, the basics of what is believed in religious science or science of mind, and some of the basic new thought spiritual foundations. So today our theme is on oneness. What does that mean? How do we define the term oneness? And, um, and, And of course, if we believe in oneness, then what does that mean in terms of how we live our lives? So we will be going, diving deeply into that as we go into today's conversation. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we'll be right back.
Thanks for joining us on Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy, and my co-host is Leslie. And today on Say Yes to Spirit, we're focusing on oneness. And we have a habit, a pattern, um, that before we get into the theme and the topic for today, we always connect the dots with our most recent show. And so as you hear the... Connect the Dots theme music in the background. Um, let's talk a little bit about last week's show. Last week's topic was One God and the concept that there is one God, that God may be called by many different names, by different groups or different individuals in 12-step. In 12-step in programs, participants are encouraged if not required, to identify a higher power. Um, But when we talked last week about one God, what we really landed on was that um, what we believe is that there is one presence, one, you know, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent energy, power that is all of good. And that one that we often refer to as God or Allah or Buddha or Krishna or beauty or love uh, or higher power is the creator, the creator of everything, of all of life. And so connecting the dots to our theme today of oneness, this idea which we'll be going more into that everything Every form of life is has been created by this one God, and that there is one connection. There's no way to separate. Um, and so the the connection is kind of um, almost sequential. That there is one God, and all that comes out of or comes from God is connected to it in a way that creates oneness. So um, that's our connect the dots for today. And um, as we step into this idea of oneness, I just invite you to think about what does oneness mean to you and how would you describe it? And we'll take a one-minute break, and then we'll come back and dive into a conversation about oneness. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. And while uh, we were on a quick break, I um, just checked in with Leslie, and uh, I know that Leslie is uh, one with spirit, even as she is dealing with a flat tire. So uh, we'll see. Maybe she'll be able to join us today, and maybe not. (laughs) So what is oneness? Um, In uh, Science of Mind, some of what we say about oneness, based on the writings of Ernest Holmes, that we believe in the individualization of spirit in us and that all people are individualizations of the one spirit. So there is oneness between each one of us and God and spirit that as a as an emanation or as a creation of God there's nothing that can separate you from your creator and in that sense you always have the experience um and the access to being one with God one with spirit and um that's not being the same as spirit because spirit is all encompassing and has created all of life but because spirit has created you you and spirit are connected in a way that is inseparable we also believe in the eternality the immortality and the continuity of the individual soul forever and ever expanding and how that relates which we can we will probably talk more about that statement um, and what we mean by eternality immortality and continuity um, of the soul but the fact that the soul and goes on forever it is eternal it is immortal and it always continues is also connected to this idea that there is oneness experienced between each one of us and God the third statement from the, what we believe is that we're going to link into this conversation today is we believe that heaven is within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious of it. And again, as it relates to our topic today, that if I am experiencing oneness, I have an inseparable connection with God, then heaven which figuratively we think of as above, is also within me. It is a part of me because I am a part of God. And so we believe that heaven is within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious of it. And um, <clears throat> those, are the, those are three of the statements from our larger what we believe document that I think absolutely relate to our focus on oneness, our acceptance of oneness. Not, I, I just smile when I say that, our acceptance of oneness, because so often it is challenging for people to accept that they, in fact, are directly connected to and inseparable from God however they define God, whatever their higher power is. Um, There is a tendency, and depending on what your uh, faith practices or faith beliefs are, there is a tendency to think of God as 
outside of ourselves, away from us, you know, up in the sky, looking down upon us. And I don't really have an, you know, a bad, uh, I, don't, I don't have a judgment about that imagery, except when that imagery separates us from having a connection with this entity, this energy, this higher power. So um, in our What We Believe statement, this idea that we are each individualized expressions of God, all people are individualizations of the one spirit, is fundamental to this concept of oneness. So I'm just really curious and encourage you to think about how does that sit with you? If you're already familiar with new thought spirituality or if you're already familiar with religious science or science of mind principles, then this is not a new thought for you. But if you're listening in and and you're hearing this for the first time or you haven't really thought about it that way, What does it mean to you to be an individualization of God, an individual expression of of certain aspects of spirit? When we talk about oneness in um, science of mind, we step into that place of there is nothing that can separate any one of us from God. We have free will because we have been individualized and we get to make choices about what we want to have, who we want to be, how we want to show up in the world. And that is all part of the individualization that just like we frequently say in the U.S. and especially we will say, you know, no two snowflakes are exactly alike. We know that no two thumbprints are exactly alike. Even though they may share a lot of similarities, they're not exactly alike. And that's one of the reasons why we can use the thumbprint as an identification tool. So let's just take that a little bit further. If no two thumbprints are exactly alike, that means no two people are exactly alike. However, every person has been created by the same energy, the same entity. Wow, I mean, think about that. Over 7 billion people in the world, and there are over 7 billion thumbprints. So there are 7 billion different people and we are not all the same but we are all connected because we all have the same source let me say that again there are over 7 billion people there are over 7 billion thumbprints there are over 7 billion combinations of our genetic stuff you know how we are made what's in us we we have a lot of similarities but we are each different. And each one of us has been created by the same source, and so in that sense we are all connected. I repeat that because, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot when we start talking about oneness, like in classes and workshops, is um, the interpretation 
that oneness means we are all the same. We are all one. So clearly we are all the same. And so what I encourage people to do is just think about some simple uh, things that we could use as a comparison. So let's say you have a beautiful garden in your yard or in your neighborhood, in your community, and you love looking at that garden because it has roses and it has poppies and it has tulips and it has uh, all different kinds of flowers and plants. And different flowers bloom at different times during the year and different flowers or plants grow to different heights, express in different colors. And we don't say that all flowers are the same. We don't expect them to be. We don't criticize the tulip because it doesn't look like the rose. And we accept that they all fit the same category. They're all flowers or they're all plants. But we expect that they will have an individualized way of expressing. And even with our roses, my, when I was growing up, my mother had rose had a rose garden and she grew roses. And even all of the roses that were red roses were not exactly alike. And they bloomed a little differently and the, the, the uh, petals might fall off at different on different days at different times and some were taller than others some of the rose bushes were taller than others and there was never any criticism or any expectation even that all of the roses would grow to be exactly the same height look the same way bloom on the same day fall start losing petals on the same day there was no expectation of that and so you know, the red roses, if I just looked at the red roses, that was true for them. And absolutely it was true that there was no expectation that the red rose and the yellow rose and the pink rose, you know, would all be the same. And the baby roses, which have a name, but I can't remember it right at this moment. Uh, like I said, it was my mother's roses. They, they were not my roses. I had no interest in gardening then or now. Um, but the idea that each one, each individual rose is God expressing as a rose, even though each rose is different, is what oneness is all about. So each one of us as people, we get to express in our unique way. And if we take responsibility for our lives, we do that by the choices we make intentionally if we don't take responsibility for our lives or if we believe we are a victim to other circumstances and to other people's decisions, we still are making that choice to relinquish our individualization to be shaped by society, by um, other people's desires and wants. And that's an, a choice as well. So oneness is really all about recognizing that I am connected in an indelible way, in an inseparable way, to the source of my creation, to my creator. There is oneness between me and spirit. 
So I'm just taking a pause and thinking what else might I want to say about that. Um, I think that's foundational in understanding much of of what is labeled New Thought Ancient Wisdom. Um, and that's a good reminder that all of New Thought comes from ancient wisdom. So it's not like this is some woo-woo, you know, airy-fairy metaphysical um, makeup story being made up in just, you know, the last few decades or the last century. It's really based on ancient wisdom from indigenous cultures and in, and spirituality before we had modern civilization. How did people behave and what did they believe even way before we had books, way before we had printing? You know, what are some of the universal spiritual principles that came from the way people lived and interpreted what was going on in their world? And that is really where the metaphysical interpretations come from. What is the meaning, meta, let us make meaning from the way that life shows up and expresses the way that physical form shifts and the way that patterns occur. So when I refer to new thought, I'm not referring to, you know, something that's really new in the way that we are thinking. It's all based on ancient wisdom. So Ernest Holmes, as the founder of Science of Mind, really um, have and was gifted with some deep insights about how this all works, how life works, and how spiritual principles come to play. And in Science of Mind specifically, this concept of oneness is at the center of so much of what we do. And what you've heard me quote from is the what we believe uh, document that lists a dozen or so, actually more like about, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That is a dozen. A dozen tenants or a dozen um, concepts that reflect what we believe and how we behave based on what we believe. And so I pulled out three of them as it relates today to this idea of oneness. Interestingly enough, and if you are a regular listener, you know that often what Leslie and I will do is we will, you know, go to the dictionary to see how it defines whatever our theme is for today, for that day. And if we go to the dictionary, it basically says that the definition of oneness is the fact or state of being unified or whole, though comprised of two or more parts. The fact or state of being unified or whole, though composed of two or more parts. So do you see how we we, um, take on this idea that I, I appear to be, and I am an individual, I am a human being, However, I am unified with God. It looks like God is separate from me, but I am unified with God because God is my creator and God is 
within me and every part of me as the creator. Now, I think, I will admit that I think this definition is part of the reason why some people will slip into um, the idea that all humankind, that oneness means all humankind is one, is the same. Not just one, but it's the same. Because the fact or state of being unified or whole, though comprised of two more or more parts, if we look at people and forget all the other forms of life, and we say there are more than 7 billion people and there is oneness because all people are unified or it takes all of us, all 7 plus billion people to make up the whole of mankind, then technically that could be used as a definition for oneness if we use the whole part. I don't think that any of us can deceive ourselves and say in the society we live in in the 21st century that seven plus billion people are unified. And in that sense of oneness that we are unified because we actually are not living that unity that is possible, I believe, but we are not expressing it in the way that we interact with each other. But if we looked at it as wholeness, then I would probably, if someone said to me, I believe that uh, we are all one because we are seven plus billion people and it takes all of us to make the whole of mankind, then um, I wouldn't argue with that. But typically when people will say, oneness means we're all together and we're all the same, there's that little bit of skipping over the fact that, no, each one of us is an individualized expression of spirit. And where our oneness is that cannot be broken, that cannot be misconstrued, that cannot be denied, is that oneness that each one of us experiences with our creator, with our source. So that is um, the primary definition of oneness. And uh, if we think about defining the oneness of God, which there is a, um, a website that talks about defining the oneness of God, then it's, it's true that if we look at God as the one, then every form of life is a part of the oneness of spirit or the oneness of God. Now, from a, and, and from the Christian Biblical Church of God, this particular web, website, um, I, I love what, how this starts out. I love how this uh, particular article starts out. The nature of God has for centuries been a subject of intense debate among philosophers and theologians. In their endless discussions, they have explored every conceivable theory and opinion as to what God is. But with all this self-professed knowledge and intellect, they have never been able to reach an agreement. And a little bit further down, the author Carl Franklin says, it's vital for every Christian who truly desires to understand the nature of God 
to learn to identify the opinions and theories of men and to be able to differentiate them from the truth of Scripture. And um, I, I think that's probably true about a lot of aspects, right, of understanding the nature of God. If we are describing God as the nature of oneness, then we would be absolutely true that every person and every other form of life that has been created by God, that God is the perfect example of oneness. Humanity, not so much. Okay, I know that's my opinion, but God is the perfect example of oneness, that everything that God creates is a part of God, and it is all integrated and integrated fabulously well and loved and accepted and nurtured and guided and all of that within the true nature of God. And while we are each individualizations and have the capacity to behave in the in ways that reflect oneness, we're not consistently doing that as a human race. So I don't think that even though I'm sharing with you from the perspective of oneness and science of mind, I know that this concept is not limited to science of mind, not in any way, that the idea of oneness is well, it's universal spiritual truth, in, in my opinion. We just may have different ways of talking about it depending on our individual backgrounds and our spiritual practices. So I'm really curious about what you, what your thoughts are and if you happen to be listening live today and you have some thoughts or reflections or questions about oneness Don't forget that you can call in at area code 347-850-1523. That's area code 347-850-1523. And if you are simply listening to a recording of this conversation about oneness, then I invite you to think about again, what is it that you believe and how do you take on this concept of oneness. In a past show, um, there was a term that came up when we were, I don't even remember what the theme was that week, um, but the term came up of Advaita, or non-duality means not two. And um, sometimes when we are talking about oneness, the idea comes up that, well, how can there be two? We are not different from one another because that would be duality. And in science of mind, really, when we talk about duality, most of the time we're talking about the fact that there is good and there is evil, and we don't believe that. We don't believe that there is a duality. We believe that there is only good, and everything that happens is either good or moving to good, leading toward good. Um, 
evolving into good. So this this term Advaita is is similar to oneness in that it means non-dual or not two. And um, and when it came up, we had a great conversation about how there are different words and different faith practices that really come back to the whole. So if you were to look up Advaita, A-D-V-A-I-T-A, uh, on Google or if you, you know, did a search or you uh, found went to find more information, one of the... Um, one of the sites you might find, or one of the definitions you might find, excuse me, is that oneness is a fundamental quality of everything. Like everything is a part of, every, a part of the one. Everything has been made from God, and God is not a dual consciousness. God is a single focused consciousness of good, of love, of, you know, of life itself. And so... It can be a little, we can make it more complicated, but you don't really have to. So in this moment, I'm looking at a, um, at a blog from a Buddhist perspective, and the comment about or the example that is given here is an example that we also use in Science of Mind a lot when we're talking about oneness. And the author gives the example of, look, of, of encouraging you to just look at your hand for a moment. So why don't you do that? Look at your hand. And your fingers are all different from each other, but are they separate? They all arise from the same hand. And the blog post goes on to say, similarly, the objects, animals, plants, and people in the world are all definitely different in their appearance and in the way they function but they're all connected at their source. They came from, they come from the same source. And this one being that is behind all of life has an infinite number of different expressions that we experience as different objects. And to go on with the analogy, it says to continue with the hand analogy, your fingers are all made of the same substance. They are made up of similar tissues, cells, atoms, and at the deepest level, subatomic particles. So oneness doesn't mean everything is the same. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love in our what we believe statement that we believe in the individualization of the spirit within us and that all people are individualizations of the one spirit. Now, as I mentioned earlier, um, that individualization that we know as Leslie, (laughs) expressing as Leslie, uh, was uh, (sighs) having a very unique experience, right, a very unique human experience of dealing with and recovering from a flat tire but dedicated radio show co-host that she is. (laughs) There you go. She has joined us. You know, it's a fascinating thing. I I, um, 
had a session with a client this morning, and I found myself not wanting to really get up out of the bed this morning and finding, you know, all the reasons today was just going to be just not a good day. Just today was going to be just... And um, and the universe said yes. And the universe said yes. But uh, it was curious because this particular client, even though she's not a uh, in, in, in any kind of spiritual um, center, that but, but she's a very deeply spiritual person, and I, I'm always fascinated when I hear myself saying things to clients that I need to hear for myself and we got into that kind of thought about the oneness and the and the idea of how you know spirit is always working and I found as that time went forward with her that my my awakened state became awakened and I became aware of the truth and I was in it just you know really a uh, very different space a couple of hours later and as I was driving out of the parking lot and realized I had a flat tire, I was not even it didn't it didn't trigger that kind of negative feeling that I had wakened you know that I'd had a few hours before. And I texted the client, and she was you know more than willing to help. And so you know, 15 minutes later, the tire was changed. And it was really interesting to see how that being aware of the oneness, being aware of the truth you know, shifts everything. And it's fascinating how how even I can bring myself back into awareness through bringing someone else into awareness. I thought that was really kind of a curious thing, that there's, um, you know, there's infinite wisdom within each of us, and if we get out of the way, we can, we can awaken ourselves, as well as a radio show or a, I mean, a radio, a song on the radio. You know, I'm really big into that in terms of, you know, being reawakened awakening to the what's already there? I think, yeah, um, that for me is directly related to what I said earlier about um, we're all connected. We each have our own direct oneness with spirit, and because of that, we're all connected. And so absolutely, if I am connected to spirit and as I interact with you, I am sharing from that perspective, it has to resonate. I mean, you know, with me. Well, <laughs> with ourselves, right? right. We can even it has awake to resonate ourselves. because, yeah, because it's, it's affirming that connection. It's affirming that truth. And even though I may be thinking I'm giving it to you as a gift to you, I'm really simply expanding it in my own consciousness, which is, of course, what we say about prayer all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we use the language. <coughs> Our language is a little sloppy, right, because we use the language that, oh, let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. But what we're really doing is changing our own consciousness about what can be believed about your situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm really praying for myself. And, you know, yes, it shifts the entire universe because it shifts what I believe within God. And so you experience that shift. I'm not really praying for you. That's interesting. And as a practitioner, you would know that very intricate and interesting sort of language that, that is that is very true. Well, and and you'd have a session with a client, mm-hmm. right? 
I'm here for you, but you're the one who actually had the shift. I mean, now, hopefully the client had the shift, too. <laughs> hopefully we love our clients and we love our clients to experience shifts. And your description of what happened for right. you was that the shift really happened within me. Right. That I moved from where I was. I don't know if you saw my uh recent Facebook post, but I was working with the client, and the client said, um, today I'm going to step into greatness. Mm. And I loved it so much, I posted it on Facebook mm. and said, you know, I love this and I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and today I'm going to step into greatness and, you know, feel free to join me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and step into your greatness Have today. It. And so it's, you know... It's still me doing it, and it is an interesting, you know, the the the, sh- the give and take of friendships and, um, uh, you know, any kind of interaction, strangers, family. There is always that kind of equal opportunity to learn and grow and become more awakened. And it was um, one of the exercises that we did this morning. Was she was writing attributes, positive attributes. She and kind of um you know, the simple things that we all struggle with when we don't have that true sense of who we are, you know, coming up with five fabulous things about ourselves can, you know, take an entire hour. And it was interesting as she was struggling to come up with them, she made the most profound statement. She said, Well, all of these things really are in all of us. And and she said it in a way that was almost sort of like it was discounting, like there was nothing really special about her because everybody at their core is kind-hearted or loving. And, you know, we act out behaviorally. We might not act like that. But at our center, she said very wisely, you know, this is who we all are. And I thought, isn't that interesting that that awareness initially for her seemed like it was discounting? Well, then then I'm nothing special because we're all... and, And I said to her, I said... Yes, at our core, we're all God, and that's that's not all there is. And you know, and that's as special and as not special. You know, that, that's the even playing field. And it was, and um, and I do think that you know there can be kind of a a mind or a human thing that takes that individualization and you know wants to make it different or special or you know that kind of a mind trap. You know the you know, my my inner little piece of God has to be something different or then, you know, I'm useless kind of thing. And it was such kind of a fascinating awareness of, like, you know, that's all there is. That's it. That's it. And we're all the same. Yeah. I, I love that, that, yes, at our core we have to, we start with the same attributes, attributes, capabilities, characteristics, and and what our life is about, right? what our human life is about, is consciously choosing, well, choosing, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, <laughs> choosing, one, how we demonstrate those attributes, and two, which attributes are the ones that I came here to experience, teach, learn, expand this time around. And not to get into a conversation about, you know, whether there's reincarnation or multiple lives oh, or not? all of that. 
but I did say earlier the idea of um, the the belief that we have, and it, it was part of our description for today's show. The belief that we have in science of mind that there that we are eternal, immortal, and con- and there's continuity of the individual soul, and that that is also a part of our oneness because God never dies. Right. So that part of us that's been created in the spiritual image and likeness of God can never die. But in this experience in human form, I have this time frame, mm-hmm. you know. I have what is, I have this expiration date, <laughs> right? And um, in this form at this moment. And so... Yeah, I I get to choose how to show up, or I am focused on expressing certain certain of the attributes, even though the seed for all the attributes is within me. And in that sense, yes, we're each unique, just like um, what I also used earlier, our thumbprint. Mm-hmm. You know that we we can't couldn't use thumbprints as an identification source. Unless everybody had a different thumbprint, and it is fascinating to look at examples in nature too, like snowflakes. To think about mm-hmm. that every snowflake is different. Now that really, that I don't know why that example always kind of stuns me. Um, and to think of the infinite possibilities that are available from you know what looks like one, what looks like the same, and the idea that uh, you know that same core within us is the thing that once we're in, I think a couple of weeks ago, you see the idea of you know getting into the jet stream, that we're all kind of in the ocean, but when we get into that flow or to that true oneness of who we are, when we're coming from there, we're kind of in the jet stream. We're going a little bit faster, zipping through the green light day. And, um, and being that reminder for each other of the oneness is, um, you know, one of the greatest gifts that we can give and that we can have. And, you know, that's another thing about doing this radio show that is really powerful in terms of being a reminder. And, you know, we haven't talked about daily practice in a while. I have um, started meditating again. Thank you very much. Yay. And, um and my spiritual teacher has, has explained to me yet again that I don't have to meditate in any certain place, that, you know, I can meditate anywhere. What a concept, really. Except when you're driving behind well, the wheel. Good point, exactly. Thank you for pointing that out. And um, so it is interesting how that daily practice, I can feel sort of like the, you know, how the, uh, when the train starts pulling out of the out of the station, you know, you can see the, Things along the wheels starting to churn, and it's picking up speed, but there seems to be a lot of effort. Effort, yes. I was going to say that other work, and um, and and I can feel that. I'm still kind of in that space. And my um, spiritual teacher, I, I always talk about her a little bit. Her name's Reverend Beatrice. She was a Christian mystic, or is a Christian mystic. And uh, she made comment uh, about how I have chosen to spend most of my life in, in learning through the difficulties. And she suggested a book for me called The Power of Habit. And I had never heard of that. 
You're shaking your head as you know all things there, Tracy. Brown. No, I have. The I power have seen of habit. It. You I have? haven't. It's not on my bookshelf, but I have seen the book. The power of habit. So there's my tip for myself and the tip for others. If they, uh, she said, uh, <laughs> she her quote was, "You know so much and are open, yet you get so stuck in negative loops." <laughs> Imagine that. Who said that? Interesting observation. Who does that? This book has great info that might help. So there you go. So I'm I'm, I'm investing in that book and getting out of my negative loops. Gosh, that just sounds so human and trite. (laughs) But, you know, one of your favorite quotes from one of your other favorite (laughs) spiritual teachers Yes. Reminds you that you can learn from joy. Ah, Oprah. Just as well, just as easily. And you can learn from pain. So true. Yeah, it is just what is your habit. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. love it. I think we're, I I can sense that in a few weeks there's going to be a show and the theme is going to be habit. (laughs) Yeah, see there? I'm really, I've never heard of that. We have to give you time to get the book and read it and then we'll have a. not so much a book report, but a book discussion <laughs> about habits and uh, how they influence. And that's really, we've talked about, especially as it relates to spiritual practice, we've mm-hmm. talked quite a bit about how it is the habit Creating. of doing the meditation. It is the habit mm-hmm. of journaling. It is the habit of showing up once a week to do the show. Mm-hmm. Um to have this conversation from a spiritual perspective, that once it becomes a habit, you're constantly building momentum. Mm -hmm. And it often feels like once it's become a habit, it's just something you do. Like breathing. Yeah, I'm not, good habit breathing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that I'm not really feeling a huge impact when I do that, when I say that, prayer today or when I sit for five minutes, and well, today's a perfect example. I I did five minutes of meditation this morning, and um, because I was, I had a little time compression, (laughs) but I didn't want to skip it. Right. Because I wasn't sure when later in the day I would come back and do 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. right? So rather than skip it. Awesome. Very important. Said, Very cool. Just five yeah. minutes. All Even you have to do is five seconds. minutes. Yep, yep. And so I sat on the mat mm-hmm. with the candle, mm-hmm. and I did meditation for five minutes. Now, at the end of five minutes, five or six minutes, and I got up and I blew out the candle, did I feel like I had gone into some deep trance with some <laughs> miraculous outcome? No. Mm-hmm. But I do know that mm-hmm. that habit of yes. taking five minutes, 30 minutes, as you just said, even if it's one minute, Mm -hmm. but doing it regularly, when things come up that are stressful, when things come up that make me forget that I am one with God, Mm -hmm. it's that benefit of meditation kicking in Mm -hmm. that returns me to my center. Right. And so that, I mean, so we've talked about habit a lot, that mm-hmm. the habit with our spiritual practices is really what um, is those adding deposits into our spiritual bank account. Right. It's really what saves us and, and protects us and guides us, teaches us to be open to the voice of spirit. 
But, yeah, I see a show coming up. I like that. And, you know, it's funny. I always use the word ritual, spiritual ritual, but it is a spiritual habit. It is a habit. And making, you know, we we are, um, you talk about this a lot, you know, we operate off of a default pattern if yeah. we don't make conscious choices. And um, our habits tend to create our our default setting. Yes. And um, if my default setting is, oh, gosh, how can this be happening again? Or, um, <laughs> or of course, it's, if things are good, but yeah. they're going to fall apart. Just any moment, it's going to, yes, exactly. And so what is our default setting and how, you know, how much do we have that Eckhart Tolle moment and it just takes one moment to shift our default setting? Or do you know how 30 days, I've read 30 days, change your habit, 90 days takes a habit. But, um, you know, over time it just sort of shifts. And I can, I can remember... Um, one of the things when I'm doing uh, talks about alcoholism, a lovely, lovely, uh, was it an analogy, a metaphor somebody told me years ago in AA, you know how you make a pickle? Tracy, how do you make a pickle? I don't know. You don't how know? Do you make a pickle. No, 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 it's not a retort. If you want to play the game, it's more interesting if you actually know. Do you know? You get a cucumber? Do you not know? <laughs> Did you grab it? Oh, my I God. really don't know. You really don't know? No. You start with a cucumber. And you get spices, I guess, some sort of spices, and you put it in a jar with vinegar and some sort of liquid, and and you stick the cucumber in there, and over time, it becomes a pickle. And apparently, if you're looking into this glass jar at this cucumber, you can you can see sort of a subtle shifting, but you you can't identify the exact moment right. that it becomes a pickle. And they use that example with alcoholics that you know over time that disease progresses and, you know, somehow, some way, and they're the only ones that can identify that for themselves, but they become an alcoholic. And much like that pickle, once you become an alcoholic, you can't go back and be a cucumber. Ah, oh, you know, up until the moment that you become a pickle, you can still be a cucumber, but at that moment that you've, you know, become pickleized, you're you're done. You can't go back down the spectrum that way. And... um and it's so subtle that you don't know the exact moment that it happened, but but then it's happened, and you're transformed. It's different. You're different. You can't go back. And I use that in my mind with spirituality, too, in some way. You know, as I'm moving towards wholeness or oneness or more awakened state, I think there will become that, you know, that moment, and that forward progress will create that moment where that transformation, you know, has a, has a, has a real shift that occurs. And then it, you know, it's... And then there's no going back. There's no going back. Can never go home. <laughs> because you have gone I wanna, home. I don't want to go home to that other home. I want to stay in that focus to that movement. To your real home and mm-hmm. to your deeper home. So Alan Watts said, you and I are all as much continuous with the physical universe as a wave is continuous with the ocean. Mm. You and I are all continuous, or as much continuous with the physical universe as a wave is continuous with the ocean. And so, you know, we do often use that comparison of the drop in the ocean has all of the physical qualities of the ocean yet an individual drop. And what what happens with that individual drop is it combines with all the other drops. 
for the waves of the ocean to occur, for the for the movement of the ocean, for the for the expression of the ocean. And so each drop is one with the totality of the ocean, working in combination with. I was going to say in unity with, but you know, I think when I then, but I was thinking about how do we play that out as people. Mm-hmm. We operate as individual people, complete oneness with the allness or the our God or spirit, and I keep coming back to, but we don't consciously choose to work in unity with all other humankind. We haven't yet. <laughs> and that was, as you were saying, I was thinking about that—that that, you know, that free will, that human will, that thing that you know we do, that whatever it is that keeps us, you know, swimming upstream. Um, that 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 the more in unity, the more in the flow, the more in the jet stream we get, then that's when the real orchestra of the human experience will shift as more and more people become more conscious and more in line with their own truth then, you know, bigger shifts in the universe can take place or manifest in the human form. And uh, it is funny to me to think about what if all the little drops in the ocean all had their own little mind and they were trying to do go in different directions. And, you know, what would the ocean look? It'd be like a whirlpool or something. You know, it would take this beautiful, majestic majestic thing and that, you know, is such a thing of uh, flow and if everything was going in the wrong, in their own little way, it would turn it into this whirlpool where things could get sucked up and bad things could happen. Now I like that. I like that idea. That's really interesting <laughs> because something I was reading in, in the last few days um, in my, you know, reading, just spirit mm-hmm. devotional reading. Mm-hmm. I think I posted it to Facebook, too, because it struck me so much. It was the idea that, you know, we can see, but if we truly were God, mm. you know, God sees it all. So to God, it just looks like the ocean is moving in waves. To us, it looks and feels like we're contradicting and conflict in there. Yeah, like it wouldn't that be interesting if really we had such a big view that we could see that there actually was meaning and creating flow in the war, in the Holocaust, in discrimination. Amy Grant has a song about that. Yeah? Yes, she does. To to God, it, it's all an orchestra. It's beautiful. Oh, I'm going to go look that up. Amy Grant. Week. Amy Grant. I yes. like Amy Grant. Mm-hmm. So that's about all the time we have to talk about oneness today. Next week we'll be back talking about the triune nature of God and mm. the creative process. And um, But until then, we encourage you to say, say yes, yes to spirit. spirit.